This is the Strength Anger Podcast, part of the Berserker Strength Radio Network, featuring APF Illinois State Chairman Eric Stone, as well as AAPF AWPC Powerlifter Robert Bain. We are coming at you from 2XL Powerlifting in Lombard, Illinois, and you can find this podcast online on anchor.fm. Okay, Mr. Bain, here we are, episode 22 22. of the Strength Anger Podcast. We've caught 22, hooray. Uh, Let's uh, start with some feedback slash uh, going back some of the past episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, I can tell you from the analytics, as you would say, Bain, our data, how to fix powerlifting has a higher download slash listen count than some of the other episodes. Mm -hmm. So that one has obviously gotten some good response. It's uh, it's getting shared, from what I'm being told. Uh, some folks were passing around, and uh, the feedback I got was, generally speaking, most agreed with our take that it was kind of a bunch of bullshit. But what was interesting is it seemed to be spurring a lot of conversation on. While Rip's take on it is pretty silly, Overall, there's probably things that powerlifting can, can improve on. So I think it is it is spurring some conversation, which I want to believe that was his end goal was to try to spawn change. But again, still felt like the grumpy old man rant. I don't know that his reasoning was necessarily to, <laughs> to spur conversation as much as it was to him. I believe in the best in people, Eric. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> going back to last week's episode on the autism and powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know, we, again, we just released that kind of late in last week. Yep. We're recording this one early in the week. We are. So any response you've gotten on that, Bane? Uh, this was the first episode that my oldest son, who we discussed in the episode, has listened to in its entirety. Uh, so that was cool, uh, a little unique listenership. Uh, generally speaking, the response I got was people want to know more about autism itself, where they can help, where they can, you know, assist with, you know, funding research, that kind of thing. And, you know, I, I keep pointing people back to, you know, the press and pieces to together for autism, the, the other different uh, events that uh, will be going on. And, but it was really nice to kind of hear people wanting to get educated more, you know, cause that was, as we talked about the episode, one of the issues that we had, you know, as parents and, I'm um, sure you had uh, initially as you started working with those on the spectrum that there was a lack of education to start. Yeah, definitely. And I didn't, I don't know that I learned hardly anything in school about autism. Um, uh, yeah, really. And I have a, a degree lot. in physical education. And I have a degree in psychology and I got very, very little on it. Right. So, but overall, I said a lot of positive response and um, I did have at least one person kind of give me some grief over my voice cracking, but I told him pound sand, so. Uh, and what did your son think about the episode? He thought it was good. He really liked, uh, you know, sharing the stories, and he knows what the spectrum is and, and understands. And he he liked that it's getting out there more. Some of the ways he explains it to people, especially the you know being deep on the spectrum versus you know low functioning. He likes that, uh, and then explaining like how he kind of perceives people's you know facial expressions, that kind of thing. He really enjoyed that we were able to share that and. You know, kind of hopes that it gets passed around more as a, as an autism piece versus the powerlifting because uh, he felt that it kind of you know allows, as he said, his people to have a voice. Sure, so and that's that good. Pretty cool. So, Bane, other than last week's episodes, mm-hmm. 
What is going on? Uh, training's going well. Uh, I actually hit a lifetime squat PR yesterday, 749, with the kilo plates. So Doesn't count if it's not in a meat vein. I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kind of digging at Bane with his squat here because I'm just waiting for him to finally squat 700 in a meat. And then what I have to do is still total because if I don't total that bomb out, then the squat still doesn't count. <laughs> but I appreciate the good-natured ribbing because I know it comes from a place of uh, friendship and encouragement, even though you're a dick. Uh, but, yeah, other than that, not not a lot going on. I'm... Uh, I actually fly out uh, a week from yesterday now. We're recording this on Monday uh, to Orlando, and I'll be traveling um, basically for about 70% of the next three weeks. So uh, it's going to be interesting juggling my training uh, for that. But uh, that's really what's going on with me. Uh, You guys had a big weekend. Stone, what is going on with you? Well, we had the first event here at 2XL. We had the Women's Empowerment Meet Mm -hmm. run by Jackie Stone. Um, I was certainly involved, but it was a Jackie Stone production. It's awesome. It was the first uh, true meet in the space. We had a seminar last month. Mm-hmm. So there was some, uh, Howard and I were both here. We were not working the meet. We were just, you know, kind of supporting, mm-hmm. um, keeping things in the facility organized. And uh, we both agreed that it was a good dry run mm-hmm. for the state meet. This was a one platform meet. Mm-hmm. The state meet is going to be very big and two platforms. Huge. So, so just as far as like where to place the platforms and how to structure things, mm-hmm. um, we're going to have to move a couple things around in the gym. No, we weren't supposed to have to do that anymore. Well, we're going to move it around <laughs> before the meet and leave it like that, I guess, oh, is what gotcha. we're going to do. Gotcha. Okay. We'll let that slide. <laughs> yeah, that is the idea. So we just got it. We're just kind of fine tuning the right places for the yeah. two platforms that we're going to have. So that when we are in a two platform meet, it is mostly ready to go. And when we run on one platform meet, it's good to go as well. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, we're going to run probably three big two platform meets a year mm-hmm. state meet, Summer Bash, and the Raw Power Challenge will probably become a two platform meet again. Raw, um, raw, raw <laughs> and Classic Raw, for that matter. Classic Raw, whatever. But we'll run, you know, probably monthly other smaller events like the Autism Bench Meet, yep. like the Beginners Meets, mm-hmm. um, those types of things that will be fine with one platform. Awesome. Awesome. There's a lot of logistics that goes into, even when, they, when you have a big space of where things go, the ergonomics of it, and then how the flow of people is going. I'm sure you obviously guys, you guys learned a lot from that experience yesterday. Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> other small things like, you know, where to put the, you know, we have the new wireless light system yep. that we had a TV on the wall and is that a good spot for it? Does it need to be moved? Mm-hmm. Where to place the projectors? Um, how to get the lifters up to the table or have an expediter? Yep. We had them come up to the table. For the state meet, we might use an expediter because um, it was getting kind of congested. People running back and forth. I, I got a guy, yeah, a gal. But oh, you got a gal? Yeah, I do. Yep, good, good. <laughs> so, Bane, uh, moving on. Yes. What is bullshit? Bank holidays are bullshit. And so I, I waffled between this. I was thinking this weekend of what I was going to use for my what is bullshit, and I almost went with Hallmark holidays that you know Valentine's Day kind of spurned that. And so we're, we're sitting here. It's Monday. Uh, the but 17th. there is a true backing to Valentine's Day, which we don't need to go into. But. Correct. There, there is. Uh, I, I do feel, like many holidays, it has been overly commercialized. But, uh, but there is obviously a, a true backing to, to Valentine's Day. And, Versus uh, like Swedish Day, I think, is completely made up. Right. Right. I, which I do like mispronouncing that to Swedish Fish Day, as I do like to eat Swedish fish. So. Have you ever celebrated Swedish Day with your wife? Uh, no, but 
she, when I first mispronounced it as Swedish fish, she did go and get me a large bag of them. So I was very happy with her. Well, because the thought process says Valentine's Day, the mm-hmm. male is supposed to ask out the female. Mm-hmm. Swedish Day, the female is supposed to ask out the male. Yeah. So, uh, which is ironic because I don't never celebrate it either. Yeah. So there you go. How convenient, Jackie I, and uh, Mrs. Bain. My love for my wife cannot be contained to one day. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, yes. I figured you'd appreciate that. But yeah, so bank holidays, though, are bullshit, and here's why. We're sitting here today, the 17th, and banks are closed. For some crazy reason, probably half of downtown is shut down. I actually went to the office today, and... Is this a federal holiday? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was just checking. It's so you don't have to yell at me. I'm just asking. Ear cancer, man. I got to get one in, too. But... Just, That's not nearly as loud as <laughs> no, it was not. when I yelled about Rips uh, not knowing the rules of powerlifting. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Uh, him, not you. But no, it, it makes no sense to me. It, we are celebrating our, our presidents, which is fine to a point. I'm like, do we need to have every federal employee off still being paid? All banks closed, everyone's still being paid, and account charges just racking up. So the, the system doesn't stop. I see no reason for it. Here's my question with banks uh, along that, you know, and I got one time got charged for paying my credit card bill late, Mm -hmm. even though I, it was literally transferring from one bank account from what the same bank to Mm -hmm. their credit card. And they charged me a late fee when I transferred it over past 8 PM because that was past the bank's business quote business hours. I said, well, if the due date of the credit card is a certain date, and I'm transferring literally ones and zeros yeah. from one bank account to the other, shouldn't I be able to do it up till midnight? Their answer, no, because the bank closes at 8, even though there's no actual physical person right. doing anything. It's just right. literally it's on the automation. computer. Yeah, that's, that's bullshit. See, bank holidays are bullshit. <clears throat> so, Stone, what is bullshit? I feel this one is going to be stemming from a personal experience. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this comes from many years of running meets, and just in general, uh, you know, having on my own facility, mm-hmm. working at gyms and people, you know, bringing in their own drinks and such, you know, if you spill something, I get it. I've spilled. In fact, I spilled some beer all over this guy sitting next to me last night. We were at the bar. Nice. And I had, I wasn't Wait, drunk. Well, well, hold up, hold up, hold Eric Stone was drinking a beer last night? Yes, after the meet. It's glorious. And Damn I spilled all over our friend Jenny's friend Jake's lap. And unfortunately, he had to ride his motorcycle back home, so that wasn't optimal for to have his chaps and his jeans all, all, all soaked. I have so many things I want to say. But so, but I did apologize, and I tried to clean it up. So, if you spill something, tell somebody and try to clean it up, or tell somebody so they can clean it up. Yeah, make you know, the effort, man. We're cleaning up from the meat yesterday, and someone had spilled coffee all over. Luckily, we had the tarps down. Um, another one of the vendors spilled stuff all over the place, didn't tell anybody, and it was like something really sticky, so it was very hard to clean up. Gross. So uh, that's a short one, but you know, clean up after yourself. It's just common courtesy. Just be a fucking adult. Right, but I think people just, ah, someone else will take care of that. So, Bane, let's go on to our... Palooza. Palooza, Powerlifting USA throwback. Throwback, throwback, throwback. We're getting some like sound effects at one point, like... Yeah, maybe I'll have to take like a uh, like radio like one hundred and one class. Yes, we've got right here in Lombard the like uh, there is some name. It's some it's kind like the of radio institute or something. Yeah, or, that's not the name of it, but there's some kind of like school. Oh, Illinois Broadcast Institute. Yes, maybe. Thank you. Yes, I knew it was an institute somewhere. 
yes, it's right around the corner from here. Maybe I'll have to go take like their their basic beginner's class or something like that um, to like learn how to work our soundboard a little bit better and uh, maybe learn some sound effects things. <laughs> or, yeah, we could just make them up as we go. Exactly. <laughs> Instead of having a Trump soundboard, you and I can just say, wrong. Wrong. <laughs> they can't get an auto-tuner and totally mess it up, so it sounds like T-Pain. So uh, this issue comes from August of 2004. Our notes are incorrect. I know I wrote five there. Okay. That's a typo, sir. It is August 2004. Okay. What um, were you doing in August 2004? Hmm. In school, right? Yes, I would have been still in school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I graduated in 06, so I would have been going into my actual senior year, even though it was in a year and a half before I yep. finished. Half of victory lap. Yeah, so I was in my senior year. Um, it would have been around the time that Jack and I would have been together uh, <laughs> dating, I believe. Nice. Um, that's about it. Was in college. Okay. So up to no good, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Strong yeah. and angry. I was actually much angrier back then. <laughs> when I was younger, I was probably much angrier than I'm. I think children have calmed me down considerably. Oh, that's that's a fair statement. <laughs> Go back to our uh, discussion last week about children, regardless of whether they're on the spectrum or otherwise, instilling patience into you, I think that's yes. undoubted. 100%. Uh, I think August 2004, uh, Nick and I were not married yet. Uh, we were actually probably just about to make this the, yeah, it would have been a few months later we made the decision, oh, yeah, we're just going to get married, you know, seven months earlier than we planned uh, in 2005. And I want to say I was managing a restaurant startup in, uh, in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. For work. Yeah, you brought this up the other week. I don't know that I've ever heard that you worked in the restaurant industry. I knew you had a degree. Didn't you have a degree in elementary ed? You elementary said psychology. Psych, yep. yep. A double major, psychology and elementary correct, ed? Correct, correct. And I started working in restaurants when I was 16. First job was McDonald's. Uh, on the side, I worked with my dad. He and I had a baseball card and memorabilia business. I'm kind of going through my resume right now. But uh, that was mostly a weekend-type gig. And even when we had the store, uh, it was more uh, supporting my sisters, my mom, and my dad. I just kind of worked there in the evenings and took a little extra spending cash, uh, you know, each week. But, uh, you know, my main uh, job was I, I worked in kitchens. I did a lot of operations in, in, uh, and started working in Were management. Were you a cook? Or just... I started as a cook, yep, and then got into assistant management, kitchen management uh, by the time I was like a sophomore in college. And so I was managing restaurants before I even graduated. Okay. And this is because Mount Mercy did not have a – uh, hospitality degree, I just didn't change my major because I'm like, yeah, whatever, psychology, at least I'll use that with working with people in kitchens. So, Okay. And that was uh, that was how I got my start there. So on the cover is Priscilla Ribrick, mm-hmm. who I think now is uh, like executive director of the USAPL. She's not the president. That, okay. is, that is her significant other, Larry Malley, mm-hmm. um, who we talked about in a previous episode that was on the cover of Powerlifting USA. Uh, she was a gold medalist in the IPF Worlds nice. in the 148 class, which is interesting because she eventually would go on to do 165s and one of the ones. Last time I saw her, she looked pretty thick. Thick. Uh, she was not a 148er, I can tell you that. And no offense <laughs> to Priscilla if she ever hears this. Um, at that meet, she totaled 1333 at 148. Was this in the open or is this This is open. Wow. This is op- oh, this is this is equipped. Yeah. In o- I mean, yeah. yeah. In 04, they would have had no... Uh, they would have had no raw division in the IPF, I don't believe. 
Wait, uh, the, the gold standard didn't have their gold standard of lifting? What? Yeah, not in 04. What? Brian Siders, who's a name, I don't know that you've ever heard. To I mean, we've mentioned him maybe once before. I'm not recalling. He was a big-time USAPL lifter. Mm-hmm. Um, he totaled 24.52, um, which at the time broke uh, Kaz's Kaz. record. Um, and this was at USAPL Men's Nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in single-ply gear. Um, and now so it seems like... Cheating, you know, obviously. Yeah. I mean, now guys are raw totaling that kind of stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, at the time, he was a big, big-time lifter. Interesting. We have a World Powers article from Louis Simmons. I read this whole thing maybe twice, Bane. Um, it doesn't make any sense at all. It, there's no point to the article. I mean, it's Louis. <laughs> <laughs> he goes through, like, the major, quote, superpowers of, of Olympic lifting and what they do. Mm-hmm. And then he starts talking about, and what's the fourth superpower? It's West High Barbell. Yeah, it's West High versus World. And then, like, the last third of the article is just him listing off the accomplishments of all the West Side lifters. And I thought at some point there was going to be a point and like he was going to connect it all together, but no. Oh, thanks for reading. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Two pages, you're done. Smell you later. I, I honestly, I don't know what the point of the article was, but you know, interesting. It's to promote West Side because at West Side, we're about West Side. Right. And they are one of the superpowers. Mm, makes sense. You've got, uh, and we haven't talked about him, but at back in the day, he was quite the controversial. Uh, person online, Dr. Judd Bastillo. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, but usually it was just called Dr. Judd. I don't know what he was a doctor of. I don't believe as a medical doctor. (laughs) Probably, you know, probably a PhD of some type. Doctor in philosophy. Right. And this article was The Mind is a Miracle. It was a very esoteric article about using, you know, other modalities to improve yourselves like hypnosis and... Hmm reading about biomechanics and all kinds of things. Okay. He was a 132 lifter who was, you know, mediumly strong, but mm. I don't know that he was ever super accomplished. He would have a lot of articles in publishing, say, ripping on, you know, kind of like rip, mm. ripping on powerlifting, um, and he would get ripped to shreds <laughs> on the forums. I, I did a meet once, and therefore I am an expert. Right. And so. also three spots left for coaching. <laughs> there was none of that back then with Judd, but it is interesting uh, he's been in some of the other issues that I've grabbed, not in the later ones, but he uh, he was a unique person, and we'll probably touch on him a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this this one definitely talked about some of these you know non conventional things that he would do as part of his training. It's so weird, but I guess no more weirder than watching the same video every single day for you know nine months. Uh, we did get a comment about that, Bane. Uh, one of our <laughs> one of our helpers yesterday, Julian, said. Uh, she was laughing at you saying you watch the same video every day for a year. I guess not quite a year yet. Yeah, we're getting there. You know, it'll be 10 months by the time uh, Nationals rolls around. So, so we've got, uh, and, and Fitz, our, our topic of the day is going to be the rise of women's powerlifting. Yeah. And in this issue, again, it was not something I chose. Again, I just picked it random. It is the top women's all-time t- top squat rankings awesome. from Herb Glossbrenner and the all-time total rankings and unsurprisingly, the top, um, at least in the super heavyweight, and you know the top weight lifted was Becca Swanson, 777-pound squat, and an 1895-pound total, Jeez. also in the super heavyweight. You know This was not her highest. She did go higher than that. This would have been... She did total over 2,000, correct? I think so, or she was very close. Uh, this was lifts from 04. Let us consult the all-knowing open powerlifting. Yes, so there's some interesting stuff. Um, I'm going to try to get to post some of these... Mm-hmm. Um, we've got the top 
100 list of the issue is the super heavyweights. And this is from April 03 to April 04. Mm -hmm. We've got Brent Mikesell, which is someone we haven't talked a lot about. He's got a 1140 squat. He was one of the most prolific squatters in this era. You've got Paul Childress, number two, 1085. Gary Frank tied with 1085. Mike Regera, 1050. Mike Miller, 1050. You know, some, some well-known names. You've got Gene Rychek down there a little bit, who is usually known as a bencher, but he did squat 1,005. Jeez. So you've got some well-known names up in this list. All right. Um, you've got Gene Rychek, number one on the bench, 925. We've got our APF president, Gary Frank, number one in the deadlift, 903. Gary, where's our sign-up sheets at? <laughs> <laughs> Gary Frank is also number one in the total. Nice. 2805. I mean, he, this, was he the first to do over 2800? I think he was the first to do like... I think it was 26, 27, 28, right? I believe so. I believe he kind of set the standard on all those, and yeah. this was probably his... This was likely his top total because around this time he was, you know, at his peak. Yeah, Donnie was chasing it. Donnie got to 29 and then three first. Correct. Gotcha. So, yeah, Gary Frank was the first to, I believe, 26, 27, 2800. <laughs> this will be his 2800-pound total. Gary Frank was a a monster in his time. Yeah. I mean, still, if you, if you meet the man, he's a well, large Well, yeah, he's human. still a large human he's being. He's an enormous human being. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. Could he, could he still squat 1,000, do you think, if he really d- dialed it all in? Uh, I don't know if he could get depth. That would be the only question. He certainly yeah. would have the strength, but the last meet I saw him in, he could not get depth, and he fell backwards and injured himself. Oh, wow. This was at a 0708 Seniors that Jack and I went down and helped with gotcha. in Florida. Gotcha. So I don't know that he could physically get down low enough anymore. Gotcha. So yeah, he'll just do it raw. It's fine. Okay, on to our topic at the hand of the day the rise of women's powerlifting. And I think for the first time, Bane, we have a, a three-man or three-person mm-hmm. booth today. We've got my wife, Jackie Stone. Live and in person here in the studio. Oh, yes. So, Jackie, uh, we're going to talk about, you know, our thoughts on how women's powerlifting came to what it is today, which is something that I don't think when you started or when I started powerlifting, we would have thought that we would have had a women's only local meet like we had yesterday with 50 plus competitors. No, definitely not. I know that when I started, um, women were not necessarily as prevalent as they are today, uh, especially at a local level. Like when we would go to national meets, we would see more women, but not at a local level like what we saw yesterday. Do you think that was just isolated to Illinois or that just in general there was just not a lot of local like it was just all interspersed uh, throughout the the country hmm. there were any like hot pockets or anything like that I think there were probably areas that were more you know prevalent with females usually if, if there was a specific coach okay. that had a group of women like there was a coach in Nebraska who was big into the USAPL mm-hmm. he had a whole team of women's powerlifters Later, there was some issues with him, you know, maybe doing inappropriate things with them. Oh. So, but there would usually be pockets of them coming from specific areas. And I would say that, like, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, um, as far as prepping for this show, when we were talking about what women's powerlifting was like back then, uh, it wasn't as much acceptable for women to be in those gym environments. And so to find a place where women were more like accepted in the gym was a big deal. 
Okay. So can you talk on Jackie a little bit how you personally got your start in powerlifting? Oh, definitely. Uh, I remember my best friend at the time. She was actually the first person that I ever met when I was at Richie's High School. Um, she got invited by the assistant principal at the time, who was Eric Morosher, and he ran a powerlifting gym. Owner of now Monster Garage Gym. Yes. yes. Uh, so he was definitely my first mentor with powerlifting, but he didn't invite me. He actually invited my friend. And then I was like, hey, can I come along? And so um, she was short-lived in the sport. She probably only worked out with us for less than a year, much less than a year. And I stuck with it ever since that point. Um, and at that time, Morosher actually had a decent number of women on the team, comparatively speaking, to other teams that were prevalent at the time. So there was myself, uh, Amy Bear, who I love, and Shara Powell, who was super strong. at a, I think she was like 148. She was 148. And yep. coming her, up on a... Her legends of her. Oh, Monster she Garage. was so amazing. And like totally like the most humble person you've ever met in your life. And like here she was, this super powerhouse, you know, going for 500 at 148. Like that's totally crazy at that time and even today, I, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was equipped. Um, she squatted well over 400 in the meet. But in training, we've got her within about an inch of being, you know, legal depth with 500. And I just, I think it was between the ears as much as it was because her legs and hips were strong enough. Right. Wow. That's that's amazing. She was just built for it. It was pretty awesome. And so at the time, we would work out a couple of days a week. Um, and I wasn't really interested in getting into meets to begin with. I remember... Um, my first piece of powerlifting equipment was getting wrapped by Eric Morosher, and so um, <laughs> we're both laughing because that's just—it's funny that your first experience with equipment is Morosher giving you probably like quote light wrap. That mm-hmm. that's like your first drink being like a shot of Jack Daniels, <laughs> exactly. And and it was with TP five thousands. It wasn't even with like you know the little stretchy wraps that I have in Which my bag. Which are like overkill wraps if mm-hmm. you know of the current era. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And second piece of powerlifting equipment would be my blue briefs that, oh my gosh, I'd never, I was like, these are never going on. These are never going on. And then they did. And then I remember when I was trying them on though, Amy was just like, that's how you know you have a good fit is you you think they're never going to go on. And then they do. And then you have a really good fit. So I love those briefs. Those were nice. (coughs) Um, And it probably took... Um, I think it wasn't until you came around the gym that you actually talked me into doing a meet. I think I just kept asking you, like, when's your first, when it, when are you doing a meet? <laughs> yeah. And you were like, I don't know. I'm like, So well, you're saying Eric's very persuasive. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, he, he definitely persuaded me. I did, <laughs> I will say, like, I'd been to meets before I did my own first meet. Uh, I followed Shara out to Maine. She was one of uh, maybe three women in that a national been, level meet. That was Worlds 03 in Maine, I believe. Mm-hmm. Because I remember I qualified because that would have been when we had the 03 AAPF Nationals at Rich East. Mm. And that's, I think, around the time that I first met you would have been around that meet because I came and trained with the Marosher team two, three times prior to the meet. Mm-hmm. You were dating some other dude at the time. Ish. Ish. You know, yeah. we all make mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Mr. Tuna himself, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> God, God, God rest his soul. Um, well, oh Mar- he went to Marosher and he was trying to get more protein in his life. Yeah, and this, Marosher- is Bra- this is Brandon Williamson, who is unfortunately passed, a very young guy. So, yeah. again, God rest his soul, truly. But He, he asked Marosher, you know, how can I get more protein in my life? And Mar- Marosher made the suggestions, you know, 
um, tuna is pretty cheap and like you can also get a lot of it all at once. Mm -hmm. And so like I think he made his whole diet out of tuna at one point. He went home and had like 15 cans of tuna that day. It it was. I I do not know how to respond to that. (laughs) It was crazy. So yes, we would joke about that. that, So that was back then. Um, And so, yeah, I went with Shara out to Maine and she was one of only three women that were out there. It was kind of crazy. And um, it was awesome because the meat director, he comes back there and is really, you know, thick New England accent. Russ Barlow. Yeah. And he was like, y'all need to make space for these ladies. They need to warm up here too. Um, And it definitely speaks to like how I was treated, especially as a woman back then until pretty recently, you know, like almost like a mythical creature, like you're a unicorn. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, And... A lot of times people would, you know, treat you like you couldn't lift a plate. And so um, it was nice having like the red carpet rolled out for us there, but um, definitely spoke to like how the time was at that point. Sure. So then when I convinced you, uh, we we went out to Ohio and did your first meet. That was in about 04. Okay. And I was one of two women. I was the only. Her and Laura Phelps, yeah. I believe. <laughs> it was either. Oh, wait. I thought it was Amy from Wisconsin. Hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll check on that. It was know. super strong. All I know is APF woman, and I was the only AAPF woman. I uh, did take a Best Lifter Award there. But, um, <laughs> it was kind of in the bag as long as I've made not, it through the meet. Not, not even just the first place. No, we got Best Lifter. Yes. Kids. Yes. Um, I've never been one about awards either. Like I, but how does everyone know if you're good, if you don't have all the plastic trophies? Oh yeah. They're... We know where to buy all those plastic trophies <laughs> if we want any. Yeah. We've got I, a lot of them. But I really need, need a trophy. That's why I, I tend to like things that are more like uh, the medals. I like a medal. Mm-hmm. Um, I like unique awards. You know how Amy did those like glass or crystal ones at the world's. Those were really nice. Um, But yeah, so like my first, uh, even at that meet though, I had a great time. Um, And it was a small meet, but everybody treated me nicely while I was there, even though I was one of two. And wasn't that in like, like a middle school or something like that? I want to say. And they had like a little stage. Well, you didn't get up. Or did we get on the stage for that one? Uh, no, that was a different meet. That was in that was the Michigan meet that. Oh yeah. That I think we warmed up on the stage. But when I weighed in, I weighed in in a garage, like a literal <laughs> person's garage. Yes. Like a little person's garage, or like. <laughs> no, a real person's okay, garage. Gotcha. But like an actual garage, and then I think it was JJ it Thomas. Was JJ Thomas who penned up and IV'd himself right there in the garage, and there was blood all over the garage. See, this is the kind of stuff like I hear about, and it's you know the quote unquote good old days of powerlifting, right? And <laughs> right, yeah, quote unquote. I say on this, I, it blows my mind how the sport continued when I hear some of this stuff. Like no big deal. I'm just gonna walk through this dude's blood while he's you know all all bagged up. And um, well, and I remember in the Ohio meet, um, I think it was Randy Edwards who was running the meet, and he didn't have a female to weigh in the females. And so I think did you weigh me in? I think or, if you were going to strip down, he was going to have me weigh you in. And I was like, oh, we could have definitely made the weight class before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, I think you just weighed in in, like, you know, shorts and a T-shirt because mm-hmm. you, didn't, you weren't trying to make weight, Mm-mm. a specific weight class. Yeah. Because I think pro, everyone, pro tip right there. Yeah? What's yeah, that? Don't cut weight. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're over all-time world records, don't cut weight. I will say that my best meet ever was when I cut, I think it was 14 pounds. 
in a course of two weeks using the art and science of cutting weight. Is that the name of that book? Yep. Yeah. And it was an awesome experience, but not so much at the same time. But mm-hmm. I set some really great records and... Yeah. So what, at the time, um, you've been working out at the time, I know. You're kind of on like a, a health kick when you started lifting weights with the Marosha team. Uh, at the time, what was the perception of just in general women lifting weights? Mm, uh, definitely not very prevalent as far as women being in the weight room. Um, a lot of people were concerned that you would look manly if you did. And well, the response to that is you would too, sir, if you lifted. <laughs> right. It's it's funny because even when we do like we did the beginner seminar for women a couple of weeks ago, and you know we just talked about you're never going to look like a man unless you take some enhancing types of things. Like just working out and lifting weights is not going to make you look like a man. Male sex hormone, basically. Yeah. Basically, basically. Basically. You know. Test, um, test, test. I've had a lot of people concerned that I would hurt myself. My mom was, I think she still is concerned that I'll hurt myself, even though I've been doing it for quite I a mean, while. I mean, that's what mothers do. Which is true. And I just want to say this, too. My mom is always concerned I would hurt myself. I'm like, Mom, you understand? I could walk out. Like, I could literally walk out the door of the gym and get hit by a car. I almost did on the way in. You're probably statistically more likely to get hurt in a car crash driving to the gym than getting hurt at the gym. Yeah, especially with the way that... I would say the Merosier team spots and which is almost identical to how it is done here with Team Stone at 2XL, like safety is paramount. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Well, and one of the only injuries that Eric has sustained was when he decided to go running on his birthday many years ago. On purpose? Or did you lose a bet? Or? <laughs> he was doing sprints and it was like 10 below. Like, it was crazy. Why would you do this? I don't think I've told this story on the podcast. No, no, like the, just the idea of you running is like kind of funny to me. I, I was running, running Welshman. I was running sprints and doing plyometrics on my off days per the requ- per not the request per the advice of Ricky Del Crane at the time. Okay, I probably should have warmed up at least, but I was running sprints out on the track in college on my twenty first birthday. Pulled the shit out of my hamstring and then skipped class, didn't go out, and like limped back to my dorm and just sulked for the rest of the night. Well, once again, kids. Running is stupid. <laughs> Case in point. <laughs> cardio is basically stupid. Yeah, no. Um, cardio, ma'am. <laughs> so to circle back, though, um, I've always been blessed. And I've talked a lot about how I've been blessed with the kinds of teams that I've um, grown up on as far as my powerlifting come here. Because uh, my experience is probably different than your typical woman. So, for instance, I've never had to squat... Um, in anything less than a monolift unless it was like I was choosing to. I've always, you know, Marosher had a monolift. I've had monoliths here. Um, I've always lifted on a team that had other, like a couple of other women on it. Um, And so I've been really blessed in a lot of ways. And so with that said, like people like blazed the way for me as far as um, being accepted on that team or um, a little less so I will say when I was working out at France. Uh, Eric and I were at Marocher's until Marocher moved way up north. Mm-hmm. And then we decided to um, go out to Franz's to train. At least on Saturdays at the time. Right. And it was an awesome experience. I, I loved training at Franz's. It just, you want to talk about old school, like you felt like you were going back to 1960-something every time that you went into the place. Um, you know, because we trained in the basement and there was a light rack and a heavy rack. I was never invited to the heavy rack. I was only invited like once, to be fair. <laughs> 
And it's when I was squatting over 700 in this, training. This is true. And, I mean, they would usually warm up starting with plates, like like multiple plates. Like. So for them, a plate, like a 45-pound plate was like the bar. Mm-hmm. And then from there, putting on plates, they'd just go hundreds. They'd usually, yeah. Hundreds, yeah. 200s, 300s. Then they'd go, start going by plates. Wow. And that was when we talked about last week when we had three guys from the Franz team in the top yep. top 10 total, 275s. Jose Garcia, Jason Patrick, Noel Lavario. Yeah, that's the type of guys you, you had training there. That's all squatting over 1,000 and all totaling, you know, 22, 2300. That's plus. the environment that makes that happen, though. So Yeah, you know, no doubt. Rising tide raises all ships. Well, and then when you're lifting on that environment, like, and you see 1,000-pound squats, like, on a weekly basis, then anything less just seems like, you know... Everything seemed like no big deal. I didn't realize. Yeah, I didn't really realize like how big of a deal it is to squat nine hundred or a thousand because you know we literally saw that every every week week. at Franz. Yeah, every week, weekly basis. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the body. You know. (laughs) (laughs) You have no idea how many times Jack and I have heard that song at Franz Gym. Can imagine. No, no, it was down with the sickness. Yes, yes, yes. Down with the sickness. We've heard hit. Let the bodies hit the floor. The edited or the unedited version where you had like the child abuse scene in the towards the end of the song. Uh, I'm not sure about that. I don't know if we ever got to the end because they would restart it every time somebody was doing a big lift. Fucking lord. (laughs) In their defense, though, Morosher, I love you, Morosher. If you ever listen to this, Morosher had his own playlist as well because there was lots of ACDC. ACDC only back then. Um, back in black, except when you would come on the scrap night. I don't know if you ever came to scrap night, but scrap no. night was Michael Jackson off the wall. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he has evolved the playlist. Sorry to segue out this. There, there's literally one for certain individuals from the merger powerlifting team. There, there is a Bane list. That one sounds like it's been retired from what I'm told. Uh, but yeah, there's probably half a dozen playlists that he has that he just kind of keeps going through with Spotify and whoever's in that day gets to pick. Uh, again, I, I have lost that privilege now. So yeah, the the music, uh, especially back then, was always pretty standard. I would say. Well, because there was no internet playlist; it was no, literally no. CDs. CDs. Mm-hmm. You can make your mixtape CD. Burn CDs. Yes. Um, so yes. so, so yeah. compared, you know, compare and contrast mm-hmm. the, you know, acceptance or lack thereof in warm up rooms at meets, at meets in the gym to what you see now, you know, a full women's meet. Compare, you know, what you used to experience to what you experience now. Um, I would say that this whole, like, not to say that people are less chivalrous, um, but I would say that... I mean, people do suck. Especially when I started, um, it was more like people underestimated what I was able to do. And so, like... Uh, you know, I felt like I always had to prove myself almost like I'm, you know, if, if we're loading two plates, like I'm the one picking up those plates and making sure that they get on the bar. Um, and I feel like back then it was like, oh, let me do that for you. You know, and it's like, uh, you don't need to. I, I can lift 45 pounds. Um, sure. I think that was definitely the perception at Franz was like, it's not that they weren't accepting of females. It's just like they weren't sure if you could actually pick a plate up. It's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that they weren't accepting, but... Well, because back in the Franz days, we did have Maris, mm-hmm. who was a certainly unique individual, squatted 500 in, in a meet, 600 in training in her day, um, even squatted, I think, four in the high 400s at the 04 Worlds as a master's competitor. Wow. And that was in the original lace-up canvas squat suit. It's amazing. 
But, I mean, she was definitely a master's lifter, along with Sydney, who was a master's lifter. I was definitely not master's. I think yeah. when I was lifting there, it was Mid-20s. Like, yeah, so I was definitely into junior. A youngin'. Lifting. Um, and so I was, like, kind of a different beast compared to them. Like, they would treat them more like mom, and they weren't quite sure what to do with me sometimes. Um, I would say, like, perception of women now, much more acceptable. Um, and I know, like... Back when I would lift in my cardio gym, I've always had like a cardio gym on the side, you know, like a side chick, you have a side gym. Side gym. Uh-huh. I have a side gym. What's going, uh, going on there? Yeah. Uh, even now, we, we're gym owners and I have a side gym. Um, I still don't know how to respond to these things. <laughs> and so, at the side gym. Well, how um, many gym memberships do you have, Bane? <laughs> fair point. Oh, oh, yes. Um, so at the side gym is where I'll, uh, even now I still get like, I guess it's more of like power lifting side eye, you know, like, oh, that big arch, you're going to like hurt yourself or, you know, um, deadlifting there is like definitely still a no, no. And like chalk is completely, completely crazy. Might as well be cocaine. Yeah. But I definitely see more women in the weight area as opposed to just on cardio equipment, which is nice to see. Um, and I, you know, whether you love or hate CrossFit, I think that it has helped promote strength sports to women more. And so I think that that's helped to make my experience in weight rooms better. So <clears throat> most of your time uh, in the gym, you've probably trained with at least a majority males. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, you know, being one of the only females at times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just from a training perspective, with mostly males, you know, what was your experience with that? Um, I think that I've always wanted to, you know, lift, not like max out every week because that's not good for you either, but I would say I want to lift more. I want to make sure that I'm, you know, lifting to where I should. Um, and if I'm, you know, not going, you know, if, if things don't go as I planned, um, I'm a pretty tearful person. And I think that when I'm around like a group full of males, I don't think I've ever teared up because I didn't make a lift, even though I probably really wanted to. Um, cause I, I just didn't want to be judged any harder than what I already might've been. And maybe that's like an internal thing. Maybe they weren't even really judging me and it was just me judging me. I don't know. Um, no, we're all judging you, Jackie. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of judgment, I would I would judge new guys that come to the gym because invariably, almost every time this would happen, it was awesome. It happened more often than not at especially Franz gym. Um, and velocity, I would say. Velo- oh yeah, yeah. I would say in those two, not as much here. I haven't noticed it as much in well, this place. It doesn't because at Franz, at velocity, even at right fit. We basically trained all together on one rack, mm-hmm. and it was more—it was just a team. It wasn't a gym, mm-hmm. and so what would happen would we'd have an order like we normally do, but mm-hmm. it would just be one group of you know six, seven, eight of us. Some new dude would come to train with us, and inevitably they would feel intimidated that there was women lifting heavy weights because you had Jackie and you had some others that would train with us back mm-hmm. in those days, and they would try to do the same amount of weight Jackie would in their workout, which especially if she was lifting a, you know geared on the day that usually wouldn't turn out well for them. No. And it was like, I would try not to outwardly laugh at them, but inside I'm like, will you stop it? Just, just come and, and do your best today and don't try to impress anybody. But they would always try to like max out and like basically kill themselves. And And I always tell them like, you don't need, now I'm a little bit more, I think, I don't know if prescriptive is the word or direct with people. Mm -hmm. I usually tell them like, 
if you're going to come train with us, there's literally no reason to max out. Um, in our training, we did a lot more singles back then. Mm -hmm. So that was probably part of it. But I usually tell people, if you're going to train with us for the first time, work up to a moderate set of five and let us watch your form. Versus back then, I'd say, you know, whatever. Yeah. Have at a player and <laughs> fail at this, fail at Jackie's warm-up weight. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say also, like, they were There's like an evil glee in your voice, like <laughs> that tone as you're talking about this, by the way, Jackie, well, enjoying it, this. Yeah, because it kind of makes up for the fact that, like, whenever I would give my two cents, you know, I've been doing this sport for a while, mm -hmm. um, you know, I guess like 17 years or so now, I don't know, something around there, mm -hmm. and, you know, I kind of know a thing or two. I know what to look for as far as good form versus bad form, and I just know that a lot of especially brand new dudes are just not receptive to, I'll say something, and if Eric says the same thing two minutes later, all of a sudden now it came from God as opposed to, you know, anything that I have to well, say. He is Eric Stone. He puts on all the meats. Yes, yes. And I knew him back <laughs> when he was just a voice on the internet, and everybody mm -hmm. thought that he was much older and... Definitely taller. Taller and bigger. Uh, yeah, definitely not a 165, 181-er, so... Um, it's adorable. Yeah, very much so. Um, <laughs> one of the biggest things that I've had to like uh, deal with that's like different for women lifting as opposed to like especially in an all male environment is there's a little bit of incontinence that happens with being a female lifter, especially when it comes to lifting really heavy things um, like in a deadlift kind of position. Mm -hmm. uh, like I remember clearly, I was doing rack lockouts. I was so excited to be doing over four plates. Like that was amazing to me. Um, and it definitely had some incontinence. And so like, it, it's just really awkward being around men. I think like if I was just around other women that got it, then I probably wouldn't have been so embarrassing to me. Uh, guys so. fart like nobody's business. When they're pulling <laughs> too, so don't, don't get it twisted. Yeah, that's true. That's really true. Um, so yeah, I think like that's been difficult um, to deal with. But other than that, I don't know. Any differences between when you started training with a you know the group of males versus now? I mean, and and now here at Team Stone Two XL, I'd say the gym is probably still a majority males, but the team at times is gosh, there's been times when it's been a majority females training with us on our Sunday squats. Any differences in the you know the interactions or way training goes then versus now? I think just like in any kind, like even in just social environments, like where you have a group of females or a group of males and then you go co-ed, people will change what they talk about and how they talk about things. So, um, but I don't think that it's anything like specific to just powerlifting in general. Okay. So, Bane, we were maybe going to try to dig the young <laughs> Lily Bane. Yes, but, out of bed. But, I mean, we're recording this in the mid-afternoon. Apparently, she's still asleep. <laughs> she's awake now. She was actually texting me because uh, I, I wanted to get some specifics on some of these uh, questions that we had for her. Yeah, because we wanted to get the you know experienced lifter's perspective with yeah. Jackie. And then the newer lifters, you know, the younger. I mean, she's not even a millennial. She's like a an iGen, yeah, basically. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, Lily, you know, Lily's 14. She's been lifting you know, competitively for a year now. And uh, I, I blame you for this, Eric, actually, because you were the one who told her that, you know, 13 was the kind of entry age for the APF. So it's your fault. I think it was at the women's meet last it year. It was. Right? Yep. We came, we came out of support and uh, I wanted Lily to watch that. And so, you know, she, she's been around the sport for essentially the entire time I, that I've been doing this, uh, especially once I started training at the monster garage, you know, Lily started following a lot of the girls that were up there. So 
uh, your Crystal Tate's or Bianca Hernandez's. Uh, some folks may remember this name, Nicole Ordway. Uh, she's a really, really solid raw lifter. Um, you know, Dawn Marozier, Eric's wife. Uh, you know, so, so Lily was following these women, and I, and I always wanted to point my daughter towards, you know, strong and empowered women because I, I never wanted any of my children, but especially my daughters, to ever be, be weak. Meek was okay because you could still have a strength inside you, but I wanted them to be to never feel weak or feel like they were less than. That makes sense. Sure. And so yeah, so she and she just she has a competitive streak in her that you know rivals mine. And so she she is your daughter. She is my child. <laughs> and and so she just she fell in love with it very very quickly. So um, yeah, that that's kind of how she was introduced to the sport. So from her perspective, uh, if you could give yep. some of it, you know. At her age, you know, the iGen, even, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll even say a millennial because she's not that far from there. Yeah. But what do you think the perception is with the younger generation of women lifting weights in general? Uh, it, generally, it's accepted because I think there's a couple things that are going on with that. And, and as she said, you know, she, she got it because of me and she just found it interesting and fascinating. And she just fell in love with it so much. And then she looks like at her peers, the perception is a bit of just kind of wonder anymore. It's not so much the concern over getting hurt or, you know, looking like a dude. It's not so much that. It's just that now it's women are strong, and there's so many different arenas where women are shown uh, as leaders and as, as, you know, pillars of strength, whether it's, you know, intellectually, physically, whatever. Um, and and so she really just kind of inspires a lot of questions from her peers versus a lot of the odd looks or the weird, you know, kind of side chats, if that makes sense. Sure. Has she ever experienced the whole, you know, lifting weights is going to make you bulky conversation, even if it's with an older person like grandma or aunt or? Yeah. So the, the getting bulky actually came from her gymnastics coach who was simply concerned because Lily is, you know, she's pretty long and lean. And so it goes well with her routines for gymnastics. And so you know, her coach's concern was just, hey, the aesthetics of her routines are going to look different if she does put on muscle mass. Do you anticipate her growing a lot? I'm like, no. Well, part of it is I don't know that her frequency of training is was was particularly high. No, it's not. I mean, she trains for, well, she trains 15 hours a week uh, with gymnastics, and then she gets about two with essentially technique work with uh, with powerlifting because at this point I, I – 17 hours of training plus her recovery time. I'd say there's no other way I can cram more in. And you're probably doing, I don't know, Bane, I mean, this is on you, but you're probably doing more low rep work, central nervous system type training yep. versus, you know, usually your bulk is going to come from your, you know, medium to higher rep range. You know, right. your, your 8 to 15 is your, quote, hypertrophy range, and I'm sure she's not doing a lot of no, you know, drop sets and John Meadows style uh, you know, supersets or anything like that. No, we're doing sets of five. We're doing, you know, try to, you know, basically everything kind of comes like a little mini peak uh, running up to a meet because, again, just we have, you know, gymnastics, and that's kind of her focus, you know, outside of powerlifting. So uh, that's kind of how we structure it. So, But, yeah, the, the only one that ever really said, now we've gotten the you might get hurt, and I'm like, yeah, look at the other sport she does. You can- oh, right. <laughs> if, if there's a sport she's going to get hurt in, I think it's probably gymnastics more than right. powerlifting. Right. So that one was, uh, was pretty well uh, – you know, we, we get over that pretty quick. Um, I did ask her, too, like, what, what else about her experience? Uh, you know, the things that you love, things you hate, things you would change. Uh, I, I think I probably peppered her with a few too many questions too quick because she kind of kept it uh, to the, <laughs> the original questions. But she's like, 
She says, I love being around the people. It's just a very fun experience. It's an incredible place to be at a meet and to be around that energy. And I said, you know, what, speaking of that, what made you want to work meets, you know, aside from, you know, potentially, you know, get a little spending cash. And she said, she just likes the energy and the environment and seeing people make big lifts and, you know, being a part of somebody overcoming that hump, whatever it may be. And I was like, that's one very thoughtful for a young lady that she considers herself even as potentially a runner or just, you know, whatever, a part of someone's lifting journey. Like, that's pretty cool that she, you know, gets a high off that. So Sure. And I think, I do think that female, I think this is true of you and I, Bane, mm-hmm. but I do think that females probably connect more with the community atmosphere of powerlifting. Would you agree, Jackie? Yeah. I think it's just been awesome to, like, especially when you meet other women, mm-hmm. um, since we are like unicorns. Um, it's just nice to, you know, have somebody else have that same experience that you're having. and Versus I think some males are very much more so in it, you know, for just lifting their numbers and mm-hmm. lifting weights and getting big and strong. And, yep. you know, you will and find... Stronger than you. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it, I'll just give you the empirical example of this gym here. Um, basically, all the females that belong here, with I think maybe a couple exceptions, they either lift with the team or they do some training with a trainer here. Mm-hmm. Um, there, and there are a number of male members that just come and lift on their own. Mm-hmm. And that's not, not certainly as true with females. Yeah. I say the, the communal aspect is very, from my experience, very much a big thing for uh, the female lifter population. I mean, it's, I think it's true for me as well. I mean, I, that's why we've started a team and we build that atmosphere, but I think it's probably more so just on a, a general basis, bigger with females. So we kind of wanted to go through today, along with input from Jackie and maybe her disagreeing with me, which is not uncommon, uh, the rise of women's powerlifting. And I, I thought we'd have done an episode like this, but I guess we haven't. I guess we really just talked about it, you know, as part of our episode on the rise of Raw. And that was basically one of our reasons for the rise of Raw was the yes. rise of women's powerlifting. So yes. now we're kind of doing the converse, talking about the rise of women's powerlifting and how... You know, we'll talk about Raw, mm-hmm. I think, is involved in that. So you can go back all the way back to episode two, um, our second, you know, true topic. Attack of the Clones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> our, our first true topical episode outside of just our, you know, kind of backstories. Um, episode two, uh, you know, Jack and I will talk about how when we first started running meets, you know, back in 04, 05, 06, if we got 10 females in a meet, that would be, you know, a lot. You know, if we got over 10, that would be a lot versus fast forward all the way to the 2015 Summer Bash and we had over 60 females, an entire, you know, basically day of females mm-hmm. and, you know, had their own award ceremony. Um, you know, it, it was, you know, we took a big group picture mm-hmm. and it was, you know, quite a change from the past when we would be lucky to get a dozen. Which, which is interesting to me because that's all I've known in the sport is essentially like fairly even divide between uh, male and female lifters. Yeah, it, I mean, it, I'd say if you look at the numbers, it's probably more now like maybe 60-40. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but back then, it was definitely not. 90-10, 95-5. Wow. I mean, again, we used to talk about the only women powerlifters in Illinois we knew. It was basically Jackie Stone, Shannon Detman, Jen Gimmel. Sydney Toms, Mayor Sternberg, and Lisa Miller, who was technically from Indiana, rival yeah. of Sydney Toms. 
So I came up with five reasons why I think there was the rise of women's powerlifting, and you you two can kind of jump in. The first one is just the the simplest is Title IX, and for those of you that don't you know aren't familiar with the the federal statute, it basically stated that in athletics in general that in you know things that were federally supported, you know mm-hmm. colleges and high schools, and I suppose below that, there had to be an equal opportunity, a number of sports for males and females. And that was a huge change versus, you know, women's sports were kind of an afterthought at many schools. Right. I I completely agree with this because I think that just, it started to open the doors to, you know, what probably there were a, a significant number of at least potential female athletes. And now with this in place, so many of these doors are open for them to start exploring, you know, that uh, part of who they were and, and being able to express themselves through sport. So, I mean, I think, you know, going back to the women's revolution of the 60s and 70s, you know, it's it's kind of along that same pathway where, you know, women didn't only want to do, quote, women things. They wanted to be able to play sports. They wanted to be able to be engaged in every part of society. <laughs> um, and I do think that the rise of women athletics led to the next, you know, kind of reasoning, which was... Well, screaming was good. Wow. Well, we may edit that out. Maybe we'll just leave it in just for kicks. <laughs> Screw Sounds it. Sounds awful. We're right next to a paintball place. Pew, 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 pew. And it, I don't know if it'll come through. We'll have to go back and listen to it. But it sounds like there's like a, just a war going on next to our door. Like, if it's close enough, we can almost feel those hits when they hit the wall. Right. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, so Title IX did lead to actual strength and conditioning programs for women. Even when I was in high school, mm-hmm. and Bain talked about this when he was in high school, it was basically just football and maybe basketball mm-hmm. that had off-season weightlifting programs. True for you, Jackie, or were there mm-hmm. some for women? I actually took weight training my senior year. They offered it as an early bird class. So, so progressive. Yeah, so... But did female athletes really train in the off-season? Mm, that I'm not sure of. I was a band girl. I was, you know, like that was... Sure. Didn't, didn't you guys have a I did program not or? do any ver- <laughs> I did I didn't do any varsity sports. Mm-mm. Yeah, no, not like that. I played tennis. Um and so You know, my wife played tennis. Yeah. I played one Super year of cool. tennis and one year of softball and then I was like very into theatrics and other things. So I can't speak to that, but I did I did take weight training in my senior year um to accommodate all of my band nerdiness. Um Sure. Yeah, I mean, just from my experience kind of being in this industry, I can tell you that now it's commonplace for there to be sometimes, like Bain has talked about it, an actual strength conditioning coach at high schools that's yep. specific. And I've met with a couple of them in the area, and that's, that's a change. And then, you know, actually having specific programs set up for female sports versus it was in the past, it was always, yeah, football, basketball, yes, but other sports, no. Right. Um, the third one, Jackie touched on earlier, I think it's it's – obvious but it needs to be you know at least acknowledged is crossfit i don't i yeah and and like jackie said you could love or hate crossfit but i don't think there's one single exercise trend that has introduced more women to a barbell than crossfit i agree 100 percent. i mean it wasn't powerlifting that was doing that i wish it was mm-hmm. um but no I, I definitely think crossfit is to blame or to crossfit credit. crossfit is the gateway drug Right, because look at I mean I can guarantee you the last few years I've seen it and we'll see it again in a, in a few weeks at the Illinois State meet. Close to half of the participants at that meet are training at CrossFit facilities. 
And there are some CrossFit facilities who have adopted, you know, a whole powerlifting class program oh, yeah. and bring people to meets. Yep. And like oh. I said, that, that you will see such a large number of them will be at, at this, uh, this state meet. Yeah. I mean, CrossFit Defined in Chicago, mm-hmm. <clears throat> who runs a APF meet mm-hmm. every year, annually. Hashtag uh, Reptember. <laughs> hashtag Reptember in September. Um, yeah, I mean, they. I mean, there was times when their powerlifting program was at its peak. It's. They've said it's kind of been a little down lately, and they've got to rebuild it. But I mean, they'll bring twenty lifters to a meet easily. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I think just in general, and I think all of the above, you know, bring this on. But I think just social acceptance of women lifting weights is greater now than it was even 10 years ago and certainly than it was 20 years ago when I first started powerlifting. I I agree very much with that. I think that the perception was that if you lifted weights, you would look like a female bodybuilder, which was, they were really the only women who were known to lift weights in the public eye. Right. And I I don't have anything against female bodybuilders, but they were probably almost all on some type of quote, extra supplements, Mm -hmm. and you're not going to get that size or that shape. BCAAs, for those who are wondering. Yeah, right. And you're not going to get that kind of look without those extra supplements. Correct. Very accurate. Um, And now there's, like, different versions of bodybuilding, you know, whether you're talking about bikini or fitness or other types of, uh, I don't know if they're different brands of bodybuilding. but Yeah, they do fall under the, the same bodybuilding and it's now, yeah, there's bikini, there's figure. They've actually added women's physique. Mm-hmm. And that has a much more feminine look to it as opposed to uh, yeah, the more I'm married masculine to my first bikini body. show, actually. <laughs> hundred weeks out. Yeah. In fact, they don't have the, the classic bodybuilding division at the Arnold Classic. They now just have physique and below. They have physique. Yep. They have and The Olympia's fig- the one that has uh, the classic bodybuilding. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's basically physique, which is, you know, a, a muscular look, but not huge mm-hmm. there's figure which is that kind of long lean look and then there's bikini which and i think there's even another like wellness division i saw someone post about recently i'm not sure what that means hmm. but they're so skinny basically yeah skinny skinny but but lean sure um but i think that was the only people that the general public knew as females lifting weights mm-hmm. um and we you know going back to our second episode i think the raw division has contributed to more women getting introduced to lifting weights. And, and this is true of just people in general getting into lifting weights because, uh, you know, it lower. there's an entire episode we have in this. Yeah. Check it out in the archives. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it lowers the barrier to entry. It, there's a lower cost. I think it's, you know, less intimidating. You know, all those issues we talked about in that first issue, and maybe Jackie disagrees with this, but my perception, and I don't necessarily have, an, you know, hard and fast stats on this, but... Uh, I think women are much more likely to lift raw than men. Maybe it just goes along with the fact that there are more women in the sport now and that we have more raw lifters in the sport now that maybe that's why you have that perception. I got a little sneak peek at some of the questions that uh, Eric was going to talk about or his points that he wanted to kind of touch upon in this episode. And so I went to the summer bash from last year. Now it's only uh, being the statistician that I am. And so I went to the meet results from last year's summer bash and the percentages were very similar for men and women um, as far as APF, AAPF, um, as well as like the different equipment levels, whether it's classic or raw or equipped. Um, There's just not a lot of equipped lifters in general. Yeah, and I do think that is true of the local level. I think at the local level, like the Summer Bash, I mean, you're just going to get a lot of raw lifters. I think 
because uh, your equipped lifters, they're more likely to do only one, two, maybe three meets a year. So they might, you know, quote, save it, yep. hashtag save it for just bigger, quote, bigger meets. And you're going to see less of that. And there are less of them. Um, but I think you're not going to see as many of them at a, a local meet like a summer bash. You might see a little bit more to meet like the state meet. And you're definitely going to see more at like, you know, a nationals and worlds. We, wait a minute, we see a fair amount of equipped lifters coming back to APF nationals and a WPC worlds. So I'm curious, do you think that the, uh, you know, looking at raw versus equipped is the perception that women would be more apt to it because there is still this, this societal ideal that women are just fitting their training in with everything else. Whereas men may focus on it more and kind of build their lives around that. Is, is that still, do you feel that's part of the, I don't know. What's that's going good, on or that's a good question. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, I just, I just think in general, and maybe it's because more, because it's been such a recent growth of females, mm-hmm. more of the women in the sport are, you know, new. Mm-hmm. And I think just in general, newer lifters are more likely to be raw versus equipped. And That's as fair. you, if you continue in the sport, in our third episode, we talked about, you know, the rise of equipped lifting mm-hmm. and how if you stick around the sport long enough, you're probable to try equipped because you might want a new challenge. Mm-hmm. It's just different than like how we were introduced to the sport because like when, you know, I would say I first tried near apps, I want to say three or four workouts in it wasn't like versus band is like three or four years and still barely uses knee reps if ever i have had knee reps on once in these six years that i've been training and competing such a shame it's such a beautiful piece of equipment i love them but it's so weird because i've not like that's all i've ever known um and it wasn't i don't know so i'm interested so let me ask you this jackie and this is a hypothetical Mm -hmm. but (laughs) going Going back to your first meet, mm-hmm. if there had been a raw division, would you have lifted raw if that had been available? Probably not because nobody else. Like, I remember when raw like first started coming around and I thought it was weird. And so Ew. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I'm just curious. Yeah. I don't I don't think I would have because like the entire team was not raw. There was I mean, they were so not raw. It, like, I think we've talked about before. Um, it wasn't until Eric came and worked out with us that we even knew that the monolift racks went anywhere except for in. Like, I didn't know they <laughs> went out. And we were like, what are you doing? And he's up there screwing these things. And, like, um, and he pushed them out. And we're like, what on earth? You know? And so it's, it's also, like, I can't even remember when I made my own personal transition because I used to squat with them in versus like I didn't even know they went out, and so I'm I'm curious like if I would have so been maybe it was just like a now. like like a group think kind of thing at that time. Everybody Marocher, everybody Franz, all left equipped. I mean, versus now at Marocher's or at Monster Garage. I mean, there's at least an entire crew, if not most of them. Maybe it's just most of them are raw, and there's just a crew of equipped guys. Uh, I would say of the regulars, it's a it's an even split. Okay, uh, it's a pretty large equipped crew there still. I would say it's one of the you know, few, I wouldn't say completely focused, but this ha- can have that much focus on equipment because so many guys do. But there are so many guys who do also lift raw or any form of raw, whether it's, you know, classic or get a couple. I mean, you have uh, Sean Copeland doing single ply right now, which is still weird. Single ply is bullshit. <laughs> Stop it. But the other thing that's a little <laughs> bit different is that um, when we first started lifting Franz, 
um, had his equipment shop just there. And so right. it's I like, don't know. And Ernie would just be like, here, start, put this on. Like he had a spare well, piece of equipment. You just don't know any different, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. Ernie would like, here, put this suit on. I couldn't afford it. He's like, here, take this suit. And you can pay me for it later. Work it off. And I'd work some meats to basically pay him off. Well, it's not and you can right? Yeah, and this was also when Canvas was really big. I don't know if you... Well, I guess now they have like those loopy... Leviathan. Yeah, the Leviathan, which I have one, which is awesome. Leviathan? Yeah, but... Ultra Pro? Before that, when you had Canvas, like not just anybody can work on that. And so... Yeah, you need the special Mexican with the special uh, uh, sewing machine. And I don't mean Mexican in a pejorative, but it was literally a lady from Mexico who unfortunately got deported a couple of times Jesus. and then Ernie had some other random people working on this stuff. And, and again, like, I go back to the good old days of powerlifting. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> the people who work on, she was, I forget, Ernie I forget her name, oh. but she was the best. She was the best seamstress. When you had some other seamstress in there, you mean your stuff. I mean, the, the seams were all jagged and Ernie wow. was also notorious for hiring, you know, local people that had drinking problems or just out of jail. There were times where, okay, so there was a room downstairs that Maris and I, would get dressed in because mm-hmm. you know we were the only two women there, and maybe you would find a bum in there sometimes. Oh like God. we, <laughs> basically, Franz Jim was a flop house back in the, <laughs> the late, the early two thousands. He was building rooms. There was homeless people living there. Called the trap house, by the way. But anyway, yeah. So, anyways, we're getting way off on tangents now. Yes. So those are my those are my reasons for the rise of women's powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Any other reasons the two of you want to add or add on top of any of those, Jackie? I don't know. Like I, I just think that there's a lot of things that it's more acceptable for women to do now than what they were able to do before. Um, I don't know. I think you came up with good reasons here. So, what are the differences then between men and women powerlifting? Um, and these are just my perceptions. But and the first and there's a reason I put that in quotes. But the first one is that men are more likely to go quote APF, and I don't mean just competing in the APF division. Mm, I go mean full, full APF. I mean going full APF and getting on extra quote supplements. BCAs. I, I think it is much. I think men are much more likely to make that jump to go pro than women are, and I think it's because the effects. And I'm not judging any woman that decides they want to take anything. That's their own business, but. The effects on women are much more, or can be much more pronounced on their appearance, Mm -hmm. especially than men. Jackie, thoughts on that? I mean, you're just adding more testosterone. That's you know than what's already there. Right. I mean, mean, women do have some testosterone, sure, but not nearly to the same level as guys. And so you're just adding on. Yeah, especially if you're an older male. I almost don't blame you when you get to be fifty and your test levels are you know, lower than some natural females. Right. It's like, I don't blame a man for wanting to do that. And when you consider like pros versus drawbacks, I mean, for a woman, when you're taking tests, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that might not be as attractive as, you know, that next, you know, jump in your weight. Like if, if I was really interested in getting my 500 squat right away, um, and weighing that out versus having say, balding or a mustache or something happening to my boobs or having an extra appendage down below. <laughs> like I, 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 ver- various cycles being off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, 500 just isn't this as is impressive. Show, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. We have the... Explicit. Yes, yes. As opposed the... to like when those ha- things happen with a guy, it's just in, like 
enhancing. I don't know. So if you grow an extra appendage, it's enhancing. Got well, it. You're not going to grow an extra appendage. Actually, doesn't it make things shrink? <laughs> it well, it makes certain things shrink, but which makes things, other things look bigger, enlarged. Than, right? It's no, all relative. Others are because the uh, depending on what you're taking, the additional red blood cells do create an engorgement in certain areas. But yes, because of the la- lack of natural test production, then there is shrinkage in others. And I guess there's some sounds drawbacks. like we need to go to our uh, our doping episode soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but there's also like, uh, isn't there like a some people experience because you're dealing with hormones and emotions and things like that, like a rage kind of thing that'll happen too. Yeah, I, plausibly. Some um, people, not all people. You know, some people just need the anger. Some people just have it naturally. Others need to have it yeah. injected. So, and I also made the comment that I do think that men are more likely to go equipped. Jackie, thoughts on that? Um, I think that both are equally as likely right now. Oh come on! I'm going to go and collect more. I'm trying. We're trying to tee you up here, Jackie. We're I trying right are. there. I know you are. See, I don't have the same anger as you. Maybe I need to go take some tests. No. No. Let's try it. I am not a part of this conversation at all. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to get gonna, tested for the rest of my life gonna, now. This is going to be awful. Take the headphones off. Because as much as I love to pee in a cup, okay. Um, and, and this uh, this is going to be somewhat controversial. I know again, Jackie. I don't think agrees with this, but my perception, being around the sport for a very long time, is that men are more likely to pick a sport like powerlifting and stick with it in the long term versus for various reasons. I'm not saying any of these are wrong. I think women are much more likely to have a shorter stint to do a meet, accomplish that goal in their life of doing a meet or two, um, and then move on to something else. Uh, I mean, you know, women also often at around a certain age will start having kids. And this is true of men as well. Sometimes they'll give up the sport for a while when they have kids. But, you know, women actually have to, you know, carry and deliver the kids. So that's going to have a stronger physical impact, not just logistical impact. And so I think some women get out of the sport for that reason as well. Jackie? I mean, although we did just see over the weekend, uh, De Niro, who did uh, our powerlifting meet, and she was 28 weeks pregnant, which is crazy. Yeah, and she is on her second. Yeah. So and her and her husband are both in lifting. Mm-hmm. And I lifted when I was like... Pregnant? I don't know. I was not nearly as pregnant couple months, as she was. Couple months pregnant. So there's something to be said for like childcare, and like that has an effect even outside of powerlifting, like in the work world and everything else. That's kind of goes back to my question before: is you know to think that because of even though yes, you know, women's strength is more societally accepted, is that just a season of your life where it is? Where if you're juggling, you know, Jackie, I know you do this. You juggle a career, a family, a marriage, and powerlifting. And if and you, her husband owning a gym, yes, yes, just so small business ownership and you know small business partnerships and things that go along with that, uh, is you know societally or we would people be more judgmental if you decided to focus on your powerlifting versus you know for a time versus some of those things. Not to say you would ever take away from the kids or from Eric, but you know if you were to prioritize that, would that be frowned upon more? Yeah, I think I think so. As opposed to like. Nothing again. You're not going to shortchange your career. You know, no, like, but, but I think you know, like say, um, Eric and I, you know, we were going to decide to choose between one of those major life focuses to really focus on in the next, you know, year of our life. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, maybe it was going to an international meet or something. I think me giving up everything else or putting everything more to the side um, and competing in that kind of format, as opposed to Eric making that same choice. I think. 
there would be some different judgments. I, this is just my take on it. This is first Robert's second opinion. Is if that was the case, I would say if you did it, it would be seen as selfish, or if Eric did it, it would be seen as uh, continued diversification or something similar to that, where it's like, hey, he's just trying to, you know, he's got the gym, it's going well, Jackie's here, he he should be able to go to, go to him. Yeah, I mean, we are still talking about societal perceptions yep. that females are seen more as the caretaker of kids, mm -hmm. and I still think that's probably true a lot of the time, and maybe there's some, you know, good aspects that as well there are but I, but I think that I think you're right Bane is that well, mommy heals all boo-boos man that's that's like a thing yeah that is true um but I do think that is probably part of it but I think it's just taking kids out of the equation mm -hmm. I've trained a lot of females and trained them for their first meets and there's a lot of females that will get in do their first second meet and then you know it's like all right now I'm gonna go do the next challenge you know I'm gonna go run a marathon or do a triathlon whatever I think that's I think women are more likely to do that. You'll see men do that as well. Mm -hmm. Except they go to MMA or... Um... That, you're, not, you're not wrong there. <laughs> yeah. uh, what's the new one now? Um, MMA or... There's, there's something that a lot of men have been moving over to recently. <sighs> Can't think of it. But yes, back in the 2000s, it was always like you would go from powerlifting to MMA was a big thing. Or arm wrestling was another big one as well. What the fuck? So... Anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, and you know, my other question is, you know, how does this whole transgender issue fit into this? Because we've just been talking about general, not specific differences in men and women. You know, how could someone who is transitioning from one gender to the other affect, you know, some of those differences? And how does that blur the lines from one to the other? Yeah. Um, you know, back in the archives, we did a whole episode talking about transgender powerlifters and Bane and I's thoughts of it and kind of a history of, of that. Mm -hmm. um, but that, that is something I think it at least can blur the lines. Yeah, definitely, definitely some gray in that one. What, uh, what do you think on that, Jackie? Yeah, I, I mean, I know that going into the women's meet, we had a number of questions that, uh, regarding, like, how would transgender people be involved in our women's only meet? And it really made me reconsider, you know, what what is gender and like how how is that defined and who defines that? And, and what is what is a woman? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I mean, I was really grateful for the fact that like Eric is much more eloquent than me sometimes, and he was able to just basically refer to the with the rule book, you know, as far as you know, if you want to lift, this is how you lift, and it's just you know we don't have a gender test. Um, and you know, what do we test for? Well, if, if you're not interested in being tested, then this is how you need to lift. And this is the Federation you need to be a part of. So, um, so I don't much, know. It's so much test in that sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Cause then people were talking about, you know, you ran a meet that's called the women's empowerment meet. And is that really empowering women? And, um, I don't know. I think as far as that meet is concerned, um, we did empower women. Like I, I, I felt powerful. I loved having, an entire platform full of not only women that were competing, but women that were judging and women that were running everything from top to bottom. And that was really awesome because that wasn't even, even the spotters and loaders. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Which nice. wasn't even possible. We couldn't have even done that meet. No. Even five years ago. No, um, we wouldn't have been able to find enough females that were experienced enough and, and not, not to say anything bad, but big and strong enough yeah. to spot. Yeah. And we had a lot of strong females up there on the platform um, quite a few from the Chicago Barbell Compound, and then one of our members here, Katie. Um, yeah, you could not have done that five years ago. 
Mm-mm. And so, awesome. I, so I don't know how it exactly. It's uh, I mean, we we spent a whole episode talking yeah. about this, Jackie. It's not an easy question. No. And no, it's it's really not. It's and, a it's a whole societal question, yeah. and that's tough. I think the, the approach we took is probably the only logical one at this point. Is that you know, we can just tell you that we don't test gender, and if but if you're lifting AAPF, we will drug test ten percent of the participants. So, Bane, Jackie, anything else to add on women's powerlifting and the rise thereof? We've seen a huge change from. When Jackie started the sport back in 2003, 2004, when she was one of a half dozen, to now an entire meet of women. We, we have, I would say, an entire, yes, but an entire generation of women. Because when you think about, we have the women's empowerment meet. We've got, you know, full days of female competitors at local meets. We've got the women's program that um, Laura Fels puts on. Run by female. Run by female. We've got, you know, a full day of lifting the WPO coming up. The semifinals is female. Yeah, and then which will be on, we're not sure which platform, but probably ESPN3. Yep. Uh, so okay. Featuring one of our Team Stone lifters, Jen Gimmel. Yes, very, very excited for that. And that's that's awesome because, you know, Jackie, you talked about, you know, women previous to you blazing a trail that you could walk down. And, you know, the generation you came along with that walked down that trail is now blazing the trail for my daughters to see. And that is what I think is so cool is that this generational momentum that is going on with women in strength and it's across all genres not just powerlifting it's weightlifting it's um strong women it's everything and crossfit yes it's beautiful it's awesome and And now you've got you know female gym owners i know some powerlifters that are females that own gym like laura phelps who she owns with uh her uh, say 100 days no no she i mean there's another gym there there's sweat uh and they were formerly together but they own the sweat shop and crossfit conjugate together um but yeah i mean she's kind of the she's kind of the headliner in that yeah. that duo yeah correct so yeah. it's just awesome to see where things have come um i wish that maris was still around you know i wish that you would have been able to interview her because i mean she has all this story from i think it's south africa that is pretty crazy about you know involving women in general and that's it's crazy and i'm just glad to see that there's so much more opportunity for women and like um before like you know, the record books were blank because there just weren't any women that were even competing. And so now it's nice to know that, like, your record actually means something because you're actually being competitive with somebody else. And it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I agree. I would have, I think it would have, I think Maris, who unfortunately died a number of years ago due to complications from diabetes, she was a true trailblazer in women's powerlifting. Mm-hmm. And I think she would have loved to have seen a meet like this one. In fact, oh, yeah. they did a women's only meet up in Maine and they used her likeness on the t-shirt because she always went up to Maine and helped Russ Barlow with his meets. Um, you know, she was kind of a mainstay in the APF and WPC. She would have loved to have seen what was going on in the sport now because she kind of left us right as this was starting to peak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Any other final thoughts? You two? No, I'm good. So thank you for letting me come on here. Only took you 22 of these. You know, we had to set the stage. We had to set the stage, Jackie, because (laughs) you you, you can't just bring in the big guns on the first episode. Like you got to really build up to all this. Thanks, babe. Thanks. Don't get it twisted. Women's powerlifting is the future. Don't. don't, I mean, think about this. The the guys at the WPO. Who does everybody know? Dave Hoff. I can guarantee you. Ask anybody who knows powerlifting. They can list off five to ten of the the 30 female lifters. Women are the future of the sport. 
Well, and I think that seeing feats of strength by women is always like really impressive. So it's good to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Jackie. It's good to get your input on, I think, a, a subject that you have as much experience as anybody. I mean, we had Shannon Detman here yesterday, who's been probably the only female in the area that's been in the sport around longer than you. She started back in college in 2002, 2003, a similar time, um, and just now became a judge yesterday. Um, Yay. Yeah, congrats, Shannon. Um, next week, we're going to do something a little different, and I'm going to have to try to get feedback from the gym here, from the team, because I don't think that we'll get enough online. We just don't get enough engagement. The thing if we do the story, the Ask Us Anything, if we do it across my profile, 2XL, Strength Anger, that's three different plans. I know that we have mutual followers, but... Yeah, you'll have to show me how to do that. Yeah, I will. I, will. I, need, I need some... Some input on the social media. Have the old man show you how to do it. On the on the yeah, old There's man. An app for that. Come on. I think we're the same age, Bane. Uh, for like another three weeks. Yeah. On the on the Insta chats and yes. the face pages. Yes. yes. Um, but I, we'd like to do something different. Um, not be so topical based, but we'll, we'll do an, an AUA, which Bane says sounds kind of dirty. It does. But an ask us anything episode. So you know. I'm a, I'm a dirty old man, Jackie. Okay. Yeah, that's 100% true. So wait, is this like an open ask us anything? Yep. Like they, they can ask you anything. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll, like I, mean how, I don't know if we'll go things. full open, not like raw raw, but we'll, we'll go raw, classic raw. I mean, they could ask. Whether we read it on the episode and answer it is a different question. This is not like a, a Reddit AMA. No, that's not going down. So, I mean, you can ask us anything and... And, the, and, and the, they will answer. The best questions we will read and answer mm-hmm. on the air. So if you've got any questions for us, Jackie, or any other out there, well, I know that Jen Gimmel does not go on the, you know, the, the podcasting nope, she does not. platform, so we will we'll have her and some others in person, and we will ask them, you know, hey, what's some questions you've got for Bane and I to answer on the episode next week, and we'll do something a little bit different, and then I will start looking into possibly doing some, you know, kind of compilation episodes, mm-hmm. uh, maybe of a... The best of what is bullshit. Yes. Um, a best of powerlifting USA throwback. Um, some of those I think will be interesting. We can release either as you know standalone standalone episodes when Bane and I are too busy to record one, or you know maybe as even as bonus episodes if we can. And we'll have to do the one where it's just all the different things we use for testing the mics. <laughs> just compile all those together. Yes, exactly. Love it. With that, this is Eric Stone signing out. Strength and anger. <laughs>